You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. I've spent the last couple of weeks on the top of the show ranting uh, about abortion and ranting about Planned Parenthood and ranting about the GOP candidates, all the... uh, assholes and asswipes running for president on the right wing side. And I wanted to lighten things up this week and maybe talk about something sexy, weird, fun, crazy, maybe the emerging fetish of laying alien eggs inside yourself, as Vice described it, in a piece about ovipositors, which are basically alien dickish looking dildos that you spit large gelatin eggs into your ass or uh, vagina with that you put a large gelatin egg in one end and squeeze it up the ovipositor and it oviposits it in your butt or twat. And I thought maybe I'd talk about that because it's so crazy. You know, why, why, why do people have these kinds of fetishes? And, you know, it's interesting because people are bombarded with stimuli, pop culture. You know, there's a certain amount of people out there who are vampire fetishes, certain amount of people out there who grew up watching all this zombie uh, movies and zombie TV series who are going to have zombie fetishes when they grow up because pop culture has a way of crawling inside our collective erotic subconscious and laying eggs that in some cases hatch into crazy, fascinating, pleasurable kinks that can safely be explored and enjoyed with other consenting adult partners who want to pretend they're aliens depositing eggs in you. But I'm not going to be able to dedicate the top of the show to that because Mike Huckabee I'm sorry, we're going to have to circle back to this because fucking Mike Huckabee, a 10-year-old girl in Paraguay who was raped by her stepfather, was denied an abortion because abortion is in Paraguay the way right-wingers like Mike Huckabee want abortion to be here in the United States. Abortion in Paraguay illegal in all circumstances. No exceptions for rape victims. No exceptions to save the life of the mother. No exceptions for incest. 10-year-old girl raped by her stepfather, denied an abortion, forced to give birth at the risk of her life. And Mike Huckabee on CNN this weekend said that he supported that, said that that was exactly what should have been done. It was the right thing to do, and it is the thing that should be done to American 10-year-old girls who are raped. And it reminded me of the 9-year-old girl who was raped in Brazil whose mother took her to the doctor because she had a stomach ache. And the doctors realized that this nine-year-old girl was four months pregnant with twins. And they performed a life-saving abortion. A nine-year-old girl cannot carry twins to term without dying. And the doctors and the mom went for an abortion, had an abortion, had those fetuses aborted. And the Catholic Church excommunicated the mother, excommunicated the doctors who performed the abortion, You know who they didn't excommunicate? They didn't excommunicate the rapist. They didn't excommunicate that little girl's stepfather who had raped her. But mom and the docs excommunicated for saving that little girl's life. This is the Catholic Republican abortion model that Mike Huckabee and Scott Walker and Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush and Rand Paul all want to impose on American women and American girls. And they are out there beating the drums against Planned Parenthood. 3% of what Planned Parenthood does is provide abortions. 
And they are arguing that they are going to defund Planned Parenthood. And governors, Republican governors, are bragging about how they are not waiting for the federal government to defund Planned Parenthood. They're defunding it now at the state level. Utah this week, on top of Mike Huckabee's asshole comments, became the fifth state to defund Planned Parenthood. The fifth state where the Republican governor has ordered the bureaucrats under him not to disperse federal funds that have already been allocated and provided to Utah to fund Planned Parenthood's non-abortion, 97% of what Planned Parenthood does, operations. And he's done it and he's bragging. Let's take a quick visit to Utah, shall we? Highest porn consumption rates in the country, abstinence-only education, and in an unrelated development, gonorrhea infection rates up more than 700% for Utah women, almost 300% for Utah men. That's the headline, March 16th, this year, 2015. This is not a state that should be defunding Planned Parenthood. This is a state that should be pouring more money into Planned Parenthood. This is a state that should be revisiting its decision to go with abstinence-only education. This is a state that needs to get real about the fact that people are interested in sex and are going to have sex. Oh, Utah. I've visited. I've snowboarded in Utah. It's a lovely state full of lovely people, many of whom are in complete denial about sex. They want to pretend that sex is something that good and decent people don't do and are not interested in. And yet look at their porn consumption rates highest in the country. Look at their STI rates which are getting to be the highest in the country. And that is tied to the abstinence-only sex education that young people are subjected to in Utah, which encourages young people when they become sexually active not to bother with condoms or birth control because so much abstinence education is grounded in lies about condoms and birth control. They tell them that condoms don't work. And then when young people decide – to have sex. They don't use condoms because they heard, they were told by teachers, by authority figures, by their religious leaders, by their faith leaders, that condoms don't work. So they don't bother with them. They don't use them. And then what do you get? You get high STI rates. You get high rates of unplanned pregnancies. You get more abortions, which everyone's against. But the same assholes who are against abortion are also against contraception because they're really not against abortion. As we saw in Colorado, where there was a wildly successful program to provide long-lasting birth control methods to young people, teenagers, to poor women, IUDs, cut the abortion rate and the unplanned pregnancy rate 40-plus percent, and Republicans killed it. Republicans killed it. You've probably seen this reported places as the Colorado legislature killed it. Legislators in Colorado decided not to continue funding the program. No. Killed on a party-line vote in a Colorado State House committee by Republicans. They're going to drive the abortion rate up in Colorado. And then, uh, because they don't really hate abortion as much as they hate sex. And they believe that people who have sex should be punished for having sex. So if you have sex and get an STI, they're like, good, you deserved it. If you have sex and you get pregnant when you didn't want to get pregnant, perhaps because you didn't have access to birth control, they're like, good, you should be punished. You should have to carry that baby to term, you dirty fucking sex maniac. You had sex. These are the consequences. Deal with them. And this is the message that they're sending not just to adults around consensual sex, but to 10-year-old rape victims. They believe, Mike Huckabee believes, that a 10-year-old rape victim needs to be punished, needs to be forced to carry that baby to term. 
In 31 states, rapists enjoy custodial rights. So a woman who is impregnated by rape or a 10-year-old fucking little girl impregnated by rape who is forced by law or circumstance to carry that baby to term is going to have that rapist potentially in their lives for the rest of their lives. What a lovely incentive for stalkers and abusive ex-boyfriends and husbands to rape and impregnate their wives and girlfriends and stepdaughters under a regimen where abortion is illegal in all cases. Because if you want that person, that woman, never to be able to get away from you right now, 31 states, pretty effective way to accomplish that is to rape that woman or that little girl. I'm sorry. I know I've been talking about this a lot at the top of the show recently, but this shit really drives me fucking bananas. And we're all running in circles with our much better hair on fire talking about Donald Trump and his awful hair. While this is what's – this sewage is flowing underneath the discourse about Donald Trump and his hair and Ben Carson and his no brain and – Carly Fiorina and her ability to speak in complete sentences, which makes her a viable Republican candidate. That's how low the bar is set. I should be talking about ovipositors. I really did want to start the top of this week's show talking about something fun and light and weird and offbeat and sexy and kind of unpack it and explain it. Like what's sexy about this thing that seems pretty unsexy? Aliens laying eggs in your butt. What's sexy about that? But I had to talk about this again. Somebody actually approached me in a bar this weekend who's a podcast listener and said to me, to my face, that they didn't understand why I kept talking about this. I was never going to get anybody pregnant. I was never going to need an abortion because I am a homosexual. And I looked at this person and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm gay and I will never – and I'm a man. I will never need an abortion and I will never impregnate anyone. But these women people, I happen to be related to some of them. I have nieces who are little nine-year-old girls and I don't want them to grow up in a state or a country where if they are raped, they will be forced by Mike Huckabee who has threatened to use the National Guard. Mike Huckabee is currently in third place in the Republican asshole sweepstakes. has threatened to use the National Guard to send out the National Guard to stop abortions. So Mike Huckabee, if your nine-year-old niece is raped, is going to put a soldier at the entrance to her vaginal canal to prevent that abortion that she needs potentially to save her life. I don't want to live in a world. I don't want to live in a country where that happens to the women I know and love, the women I'm related to, the women I work with, the women who live next door to me, the wives, the mothers, the little girls across the street and up and down my block. That's why I give a shit about this. That's why I won't shut up about it. Now, I promise you, next week, top of the show, I won't, I, I'm not going to talk about this. No matter what happens, I'm not going to talk about this. But so long as the Republicans are getting away with saying this shit without blowback, so long as the big story is Donald Trump's hair and not what Mike Huckabee, Scott Walker, Jeb Bush, Rand Paul, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, and the rest of the idiots running for the Republican nomination are threatening to do to American women. I am going to keep talking about this at the top of the show on a regular basis between now and the Republicans' defeat in November of 2016. We're all crossing our fingers. We're all looking up to the heavens here in the studio right now. And you should be too. And you should be paying attention to this stuff. And you are because you're listening to me. So you're paying attention to it. You are on the right side. You're doing the good thing. 
And speaking of good things, coming up on today's Lovecast, we've got Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on National Public Radio, the news quiz show. I love it when NPR people, hosts come on my show because sometimes you get the impression in listening to NPR that none of these people have ever had sex. And they come on my show and you get the impression that actually they have had sex and they're pretty good at it from the sound of things. Peter Sagal coming up on today's show, taking some of your questions and lots more of your questions and other stuff. And next week, I promise, something like ovipositors at the top of the show. But all that other stuff after this. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code SAVAGE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Harry's. For guys like you who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com and get five bucks off your first purchase by entering the code DAN when you check out. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old bisexual female from California. Um, Lately, when I've been getting very, very horny, I have this very strange impulse to want to take someone from behind. What I mean by that is my favorite position when I'm with my boyfriend is having sex doggy style. I think it's very pleasurable. He enjoys it. I enjoy it. It's a great time. Lately, when I've been masturbating, um, I've been imagining myself just thrusting my clit really hard into someone else. And I'm wondering what this means or if this is normal. Um, being a bisexual female, um, I have never uh, eaten a woman out from behind, um, nor have I ever thrusted into anyone from behind um, with any kind of sex toy. Um, but I just suddenly had this urge and this craving and I was just wondering, is this normal and where is this coming from? Is this normal? No. And who cares? Where is this coming from? I have no idea. And that's the wrong question. The right question is, when can I do this? And you put that question to your boyfriend. Your clit is probably not big enough to thrust into him. That's what strap-ons are for. And you can get a fieldo, which is a dildo that, uh, Looks like sort of a half-melted boomerang and the short end goes into your vaginal canal and it's designed in such a way that your vaginal canal can grip it and then there's a dildo that comes out and you wear it with a harness and you can take your boyfriend from behind doggy style provided he's into that sort of thing and might enjoy that sort of thing. So you're asking the wrong questions. Deviance is the norm when it comes to human sexuality. So in one way by being deviant in this way, by deviating – you are completely normal. But if by is this normal, you mean is this normative? Do the vast and overwhelming majority of women desire this or want to do this? Probably not. But maybe. Who knows? They're not asking this on the census. So we're never going to have a really good answer for you on whether it's normative. And it's irrelevant. doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? And the other question, why? Who knows? It turns you on. Why ask why? All you need to ask yourself is when it comes to a turn on, can I do this without – Harming myself without harming someone else? Is it something that can be done consensually uh, in a healthy way that's mutually pleasurable for all involved and concerned? And if the answer to those questions is yes, then you stop wondering why 
you stop asking yourself if it's normal and you get yourself to the woman-owned sex positive sex toy store online or in real life and you get yourself the gear you need to make this happen. Hi, Dan, 29-year-old gay male calling from the Midwest. I'm calling because I have a question about this guy I've been seeing for over a year now. We first met online on a hookup site, and our first encounter was definitely just sexual. Um, But we had a spark, and we had a really good sex, so... We met up after that a few times and a few times turned into a few more times. And before I knew it, it was like six months. We started to get emotionally attached. We talked on the phone every once in a while, FaceTimed, Snapchatted, and texted each other pretty much every day. Every day now for about a year, we've had some sort of communication every day. So our relationship has gone beyond just fuck buddy, friends with benefits, it's a little something more now, but it's not a serious relationship. So this guy is, claims to be bisexual, says he's bisexual, but he's not out to anyone about his bisexuality. He, none of his friends know, none of his family knows. He has hooked up with a couple of guys before me, but the only guy that he's ever gotten emotionally involved with. So we've had a couple of conversations about him coming out or if he ever planned on it. He's said maybe, he's said never say never. But the last conversation we had, he point blank said, I don't ever plan on coming out. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is a point where I'm going to end this relationship, scale back on it a lot just for my own I know what I need to do on my end. But my question is, he still wants to be friends. And I don't know what to do about that because I'm still going to be emotionally hurt from it. I'm definitely going to need some time if we can even be friends. But he doesn't have any other outlet to talk about these gay issues with. And just his adamant statement of, I never want to come out. I just wholeheartedly, fundamentally don't agree with not coming out. I came out when I was 16 and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I just don't know what to say to someone who says they're never going to come out. I don't know if I should stay in touch with them, be his friend. I, I just don't know what to do about that situation in terms of staying in touch with him, staying his friend. Um, As far as our relationship, I know I need to end it and move on. I agree that you have to end this relationship. Obviously, I mean the romantic relationship. Obviously, you cannot continue to date someone who is never going to come out of the closet. You can't be romantically involved with someone who insists on hiding you. Someone who's in the closet who asks you to date them without their taking real – concrete steps to come out sooner rather than later is dragging you back into the closet. And that's not something I think a person has a right to do. And I don't think it's anything that an out person should submit to or consent to or, or concede. 
you came out as a very young person, probably at great risk and great personal cost because you wanted to live openly and with some integrity. And if you continue to see this guy, continue to milk this guy, continue to have a relationship with this guy that you can't talk about or be open about and he can never be there for you in the ways that our romantic partners are there for us that betray the fact that it's a romantic relationship without it being fucking in public. That's not a relationship. That's not a healthy, functional relationship. That's not the kinds of relationships that people who come out of the closet come out of the closet to have. Now, should you be his friend after you dump him? Well, that's a whole other question. Some people might look at you and say, if you refuse to be this guy's friend because he's not out, you're judging him. You're in some way retaliating against him or punishing him for not yet being ready to come out and coming out as a process and everybody comes out at their own pace and blah, blah, blah. And I reject that. I don't think out people are obligated to be friends with closet cases because if your friendship with that closet case is built around this shared interest in dick, if you're their friend that they talk to about Sex, if that's what your friendship is supposed to be about, you're not going to have sex anymore, but you're the only person in his life that he can be open with about the gay shit or the gay sex that he's having or the man-on-man sex he's having and he needs you for that, then you know, in the same way that you, when you were in a relationship with him, he was dragging you into the closet with him, you will be his closet friend, that your friendship will be shrouded in secrecy and shame and lies and everything else those of us who are out of the closet came out of the closet to get away from. I think you say to him, I can't be your romantic partner while you're closeted and I can't be your gay friend, not your friend, but your gay friend while you're closeted. That the price of admission to be either my romantic partner or my close friend is for you to be healthy about who you are, which means you have to be out about who you are. And I'm not, and and, and sometimes people who are closeted who want out of the closet friends and they want the closeted life and the uncloseted life, what they don't realize is what they're asking of the out of the closet person is to selectively recloset themselves. That that kind of policing that we had to do all of the time when we were closeted so as not to betray who we are, that that switch in our brain that, To our relief, we got to turn off when we were finally out to everyone in our lives and we no longer had to think about everything we said and who we said it to and who knew and who didn't know and where we could be ourselves and where we couldn't be ourselves. You have to reactivate all of that machinery. You have to flip that switch back on, not to police your own, you know, police how you're being perceived or what you're doing or what you're saying or how you might betray yourself, but to police what you're doing or saying and how you might betray your closeted friend. And that is exhausting and it's not something that a closeted person has a right to ask or expect from their out-of-the-closet friends. You stopped keeping your secret about your sexuality because it was an exhausting, emotionally draining waste of time. Come here and be my friend. Keep my secret and it will be an exhausting, emotionally draining waste of time. It won't take up as much time but it still will drag you back to that ugly, self-censoring – Constantly having to think about who knows, who doesn't know, who am I allowed to tell, who am I not allowed to tell place. And that's the place that when we come out, we leave behind. I have no interest in going back to that place. I will not have closeted friends. 
I don't think you should have closeted friends either. And if going to him and saying, can't be your fuck buddy, can't be your friend with benefits, can't be your quasi-romantic Snapchatting, texting partner while you're closeted, and I can't be your friend either. Maybe that will give him the incentive that he needs to transition from never coming out back to never say never, back to maybe, back to now. Now I'm coming out. The closet costs people. Peace of mind costs people relationships. And being aware of those costs, feeling them, is what ultimately inspires people who are out to come out. We realize the price we're paying to be closeted, the grief and loss of being closeted, is greater than whatever we fear losing after we come out. Losing you, not just as a fuck buddy romantic friend, but even as just a plain old platonic friend, maybe that cost will help bring him to his senses. Maybe that cost, paying that cost, will help him see that he needs to come the fuck out and be a fucking grown-up already. Hey, everybody. It's Nancy. Building a website is no small task. If you don't have the skills to put it together yourself, it'll take a long time, and you've seen how crappy websites can look. But with Squarespace, they make it so easy to put together a truly lovely and well-functioning website quickly. Everything is drag-and-drop, so it's easy, and they have tons of templates to choose from, so you can make your site your own. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. Important. And you can probably afford it. It starts at $8 a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SAVAGE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old queer woman from Canada. Um, I just got out of a long-term relationship with a woman, maybe four years, and um, it's been about five months. I just kind of started dating a little bit. I met this person, this man from Tinder, who I immediately, like, really loved and not loved, but I really liked and made strong feelings for. Um, However, when we met in person, he was significantly heavier in person than his pictures. I knew the chubby guy. When I met him in person, he was like a very chubby guy. And that just, I honestly felt a little bit angry at him for portraying himself in a certain way, sending me pictures that were clearly at a certain angle or maybe a little bit older pictures. And I just kind of felt uh, hurt by that. I don't know. And now I do still like him. I love talking to him on the phone but I don't really want to ever see him in person again. So I don't know what to do about that. I kind of want to tell him, like, listen, you got to stop doing this because people are going to build this image of you, and then they see you in person, and it's like, wow, you just catfished me. You're the same person, but you're just, like, significantly heavier. I feel like a bad person for saying this. I just want to know your input. I'm sure this happens a lot. Um, But what do you think about it? I think you made a mistake that Aziz Ansari and Eric Kleinenberg, his co-author, write about at some length in their new book, Modern Romance, in that it sounds like you met this person on Tinder, but then you didn't meet them in person before you engaged with them through texts or emails for a very long time. You formed a kind of emotional connection before meeting, and now you feel very conflicted because there's not a physical attraction. An emotional attraction has been established. A sort of emotional rapport has been established. 
you have invested time and emotional energy in this person and now you feel like a terrible person because you met and physically he's not for you and you feel terrible. Because what does it say about you that you like this person so much via text? It says that you're shallow. It says that what? That you're not attracted to him. He's big. There are people attracted to big people. Right? He should be honest about who he is. His picture should look like who he is so he doesn't put himself in this situation. And he put himself in this situation by misrepresenting himself physically and then engaging with you for a very long time, putting off a meeting. In some ways subconsciously, perhaps because he, maybe he's insecure, he worries that no one will want to date him if they see him first. He's the author of this impasse, of, this, of what's about to happen to him, which is rejection. You're going to reject him. That's what you're going to do. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. He misrepresented himself. He should represent himself accurately so that people who are attracted to him and his type will seek him out. Which is why in modern romance, it's good advice. Aziz and Eric talk about how you just don't get into a texting, emailing relationship with someone for weeks or months before you actually meet them face to face. A few exchanges of emails or texts and then a quick meeting. That's how you do it to avoid just this sort of situation where you're both emotionally invested in each other now and there will be hurt feelings. Yours too, not just his because you're going to feel like an asshole. It's better to, I guess, feel like an asshole than to feel the sting of rejection, but it still sucks to be put in a position where you feel like an asshole. And you've been put in a position where you are going to feel like an asshole. And who put you in that position? He did. And you. You. By making the mistake of not insisting on a prompt face-to-face meeting before you were emotionally invested. Don't make that mistake again. We're going to pause here for a second so I can give a shout out to our friends at harrys.com. Harry's is fixing a problem many of us have, paying too much for overpriced razors. Let's admit, shaving with a dull blade isn't fun. Sometimes we cut or scrape ourselves with dull blades and draw blood. Razors are expensive. They run about four bucks a blade, which is why some of us are using dull blades and reusing dull blades. And a guy who shaves every day can spend hundreds of dollars a year just on razors if you want sharp blades all the time. And when we go to the store to buy razors, we sometimes have to deal with those pesky locked up plexiglass cabinets. But Harry's, Harry's gives us high quality razors at about half the price of those big brand blades. They make their razors in their own factory in Germany and they're well engineered for sharpness and high performance. And Harry ships them for free to your front doorstep. And because they make and ship their own blades, Harry's is a more efficient company, which means they can give us factory direct pricing. The starter Truman set is an amazing deal. A razor handle with a great look and feel, three razor blades, and a choice of either shave cream or foaming shave gel. You get all of this for just 15 bucks. Go to harrys.com and get five bucks off your first purchase with coupon code DAN. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the code DAN at checkout. We're going to take a quick break from your calls because we have a very special guest in the studio Peter Sagal, he is the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR, the author of The Book of Vice. And you are here in Seattle on your way to a wedding. I'm here in Seattle on my way to a wedding. You are my third NPR host. I'm uh, so excited. To come on and give, give a little sex well, advice. I know we you had, had Ira. You're not counting Ira. We had you? Ophira Eisenberg, who you must despise. I'll, well, Ophira and I are bitter enemies. Hateful. Because you both do news quizzes now. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, um, I don't know. 
Uh, think of two people who hate each other, and it's just like that. I'm, it must be. <laughs> it's, no, she's actually quite lovely. I'm Are you going to do a crossover? She's been on my show. I've been on her show. What about a crossover where you host her show one week and she hosts I would yours? be thrilled to do that. I would like to host this show. I would like to do cross- – <laughs> I am so bored doing like lim- doing fart limericks. Well, that's that how this I is feel why I'm here. After 25 years of doing sex advice, I, I'm ready to move on to like HGTV you, and you, tell people what colors to paint their walls. Do you, ever, do you ever sit around, Dan, and think, God, if only there were another hole? <laughs> you know, geez, just something hey, else. I'm in a non-monogamous relationship. There's always another <laughs> hole. Just Terry will never have another hole. I hope. All right. I think with that. So you had a who? You had a Fira. You had Ira, who's not NPR. You know that. Oh, that's right. He's was PRI. Now he's, he's Mr. He's independent. independent. Yes, he's his own solar system. And so who else? Am I, so I'm number three. You're number three. I need I need to get like Terry Gross, and I'll win bingo if Terry, I get the middle did space. Did you hear Terry Gross came on our show and made jokes about bestiality? She is ready for this. Well, would you please put it? I would absolutely. I do think that. everyone wants to hear Terry Gross's sex advice. No one more than me. I think it would be awesome. We will get her on. Yes. Uh, I really appreciate you dropping by. It's I'm a fan pleasure. of your show. As you know, I'm a fan of yours. You are a fan of my shows, mutual appreciation, yes. society, I, moment. I, sh- I should say three things. First of all, uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Secondly, uh, the, the uh, tech-savvy, at-risk youth were everything I had dreamed. I had never thought I could be attracted to a white person with dreadlocks the way I just was. Luke and is really remarkable. He is way. something. And let's not even get into the you know gender normativity. But the third he thing is – He hasn't gotten the white people aren't allowed to wear dreadlocks anymore because it is cultural appropriation. No. Memo where one of the Kardashians had the dreadlocks slapped off her head by Twitter or on Twitter. He and justifies now, it. He works it. He, you know, I he, think it, all he'd need to do is walk down a street in Jamaica shirtless and I think that whole thing would vanish. I think he – leads the way. The third thing is the only qualification I have to be here, in addition to the very little research I did for my book a long time ago, is I'm a devoted listener and reader of yours. Well, thank so you. So basically, you're going to give advice and I'm going to say, yeah, that sounded right to me. <laughs> that sounded like what I would have guessed Dan might have said after yes. listening to him. Although I will also years. say this before we start. I, one of the things I do when listening to the podcast is just as sort of a mental game. I say, I try to anticipate what you will say based on long time listening and fandom. And I am almost always wrong. And I can't explain that. It's strange because I think, oh, Dan will come down hard on this guy and you're very nice. Well, or, go, we're going to play the calls then. And okay. We'll ask you first what I would say and then I'll oh say what God. I would say. Oh, my God. All right. And we'll see who's right. Hi, Dan and the Tech Savvy At-Risk Youth. I'm a 44-year-old bi guy in Vancouver and I've been in a three-year on-again, off-again, long-distance relationship with a woman. And we do love each other very much. We both have kids, which complicates things moving forward. But we have talked about that often when the times are good and positive. After our most recent break, we've been finding our way back, but over the course of the relationship, we've both been hurt. It's easier for me to put the hurt aside, but it's much harder for her to trust again. She has repeatedly pointed out that she needs space and time to heal and to come back to me. At the same time, she's often characterized my actions as needy, and sometimes they probably were, but it feels very one-sided. I'm trying to give her the space that she needs, but she doesn't acknowledge that I sometimes need some affirmation from her about our relationship. She has in past said that for her to come completely back, she needs to get to a place of trust, and it means being completely committed and ready to move forward with being together, at least in the same city. Two weeks ago, she came to visit for a fantastic weekend in Vancouver, where we were able to be our kinky selves, and we really reconnected. During the parties, she continually introduced me as her partner. She came again to visit this weekend and stayed three miles from me with her sister, and then went to visit family. She had repeatedly said that it might be tough to get together because it's such a busy weekend. 
I'm understanding of her need for space and time and gave it, only saying that I was hoping to get all our kids together while she was here, even for a breakfast or a coffee. We even went to the same concert on Saturday night, but not together as the tickets were a gift to her daughter from her aunt. Needless to say, I didn't see her all weekend, and when she went to visit family on Sunday, there was complete silence. No more texts or phone calls, uh, and I didn't really hear from her until she arrived after her very long drive back home. I pointed out to her that I was disappointed that we didn't get to see her, and she responded aggressively by saying it was a guilt trip, and that I chose not to hear her when she said it would be tough to get together. I've just listened to the caller in episode 458, where he was in a toxic relationship. I'm pretty sure that's where I am, as I don't think this is how a partner is supposed to be treated. It seems a very one-way partnership, Dan, very one-sided, and I'm hoping you can give me some advice, although I worry it's going to be DTMFA, even though I'm feeling a little bit like a doormat. So straight guy to straight guy. Yeah, yes. Just talk to this man. I, I th- didn't he say he was bi? Did he say, did he say I, he was bi? He oh say my God, did I just misorient him? Yes, oh God. I, I disoriented always, him. I've always heard you don't believe that bi guys exist. I would, Look, you I, just wished him out of existence. I, 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 my apologies to the bisexuals <laughs> everywhere. You know, you can't see what's happening here in the studio, but I got a text message from uh, Terry at yes, the top of that call. Exactly and I looked at happened. my phone. I took my eye off the balls oh, for, for a second. <laughs> Sorry, that was so, so cheap, but so good. Straight guy, guy who has sex with guy women. Guy who has sex with women. Guy who has sex with women. Uh, first of all, I was actually going to comment that I'm actually somewhat relieved that bi guys, and you have to understand that I admire bi guys and I admire gay people more than I admire bi guys. I just think that you're just cooler. More than, than you admire straight guys. Yes, I think the straight guys I at the admire, bottom. Okay, you need to say that again because you said I admire bi guys and gay guys more than bi guys. Right, no, I said I said. I admire bi guys more than straight guys and I admire gay guys more than bi guys more than straight guys because I think the gayer you are, the cooler you are has been my experience. That's because you're not gay. If you exactly. were gay, you would know so many more gay people. This is without question. And you would have had your heart stomped on by gay people. The, you would have had the, shitty toxic relationships with gay people and you wouldn't be so the, Irma Bombeck naive. said the grass is always greener in the bathhouse. The ass is always greener. Even better. On the other side Why of the Why am I competing hole? with you? But the <laughs> point is that I am delighted to hear that a, a bisexual person who to my mind would be open – and have kind of a universe of sexuality and understanding in his mind can be have his head just as far up his ass as any typical straight guy because it seems to me that this guy has his head up his ass. I have been there. I have I have rooted around my own lower intestine, my friend, so many times. So you have my sympathy. I hope you but, remembered to floss. Oh God! But you, but this, this. Oh, she did this, and then we were going to go to the concert together, but we sat apart. I mean, you are just so worried about this. Um, the best sex advice other than I've gotten from Dan Savage was from my grandmother 40 years ago when I was broken up over some woman. And she said, you know, another one gets off the trolley every 10 minutes. And I have learned over the years that this is in fact true, that if this woman is not being the person that you need. Say being the clingy koala bear that you would prefer to be in a relationship if with. If that's what you want, that's your right. There's nothing wrong with that. But if she's not doing it, then find somebody else. Don't. Think about it like, oh, I've got to dump her. That's a little aggressive mm-hmm. with apologies to the man who came up with DTMFA. But just say, you know, you need something else. Try this. Try living without it for a month. Or try- if, you, if you really like this woman, yeah. try chilling the fuck out. See, because that's because you're – She came to yes. town and she said, I probably won't be able to see you this weekend. Mm-hmm. And you are going at her 
with guilt trips and sad long faces. And and she said, I probably won't be able to see you this weekend. And you're like, well, we're going to be at the concert together. Maybe we can see each other at the concert. Maybe we can get our kids together for coffee. We're going to have breakfast. Blah, blah, blah. And you start rattling off all these ways that you could get together this weekend. And she wanted to come to town and focus on her family and her sister. And you have to let her do that. Even if you were married to her and living under the same roof with her, yeah. there are going to be weekends where – I speak to you from the future. There are weekends where you don't <laughs> see your spouse, and that's good for your marriage. It's good for your relationship. You know what's interesting? This is this is the, the different perspective. We arrive at the same point. You've dated men. You're saying to him, don't be an asshole. I have dated women and have been the guy dating women. I'm like, don't be pathetic. Uh-huh. But it's sort of the same thing. It's like stop this nonsense and stop worrying about this woman and, this and let it be. Self-defeating behavior. Yeah. He, you know, because th- – th- what's that fish where the male fish just attaches itself to the female fish and gets absorbed into the female fish's Suburban Jews. body? <laughs> Trust me on this. They're God's chosen fish. Exactly. No, we, we, we're we, – yes, let's like not get That seems to be the kind of relationship that, that he wants – or maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, caller, you asked if I would DTMFA this and I would, but I would call her and tell her to DTMFA you if you can't chill the fuck – I think we both arrive at the same place. You with sort of a crueler, more abusive way, me through more sympathetic, hey, we've both been their way, but just chill the fuck out. I completely agree. And getting back to the caller, I feel terrible actually. I was just an asshole to him and I feel terrible because he's so sensitive. Yes, a little Canadian. And he's, you know, at home wringing his hands over whether or not he's getting the, you know, required daily amount of contact and texts and emails and FaceTime from his girlfriend that you seem to really like and you have compatible kinks it sounds like and she's open to a future with you but she's not open to a future with you where she's going to have to live in a Skinner box in your basement that you sit on top of all day long every day so that you can constantly be together. That she wants to be an individual who's in a relationship. She doesn't want to be an individual subsumed into a relationship and you're going to have to develop that skill to let her go off without – monitoring her, controlling her, knowing where she is at all times, expecting texts and emails at all times, and not being able to have your way all the time. She came to town. You wanted breakfast. You wanted to get the kids together. You wanted to have coffee. You wanted to hang out to the concert, and it didn't happen, and you are so butt sore. And it's your butt soredness, which is tied to your unrealistic expectations, that is screwing up this relationship, is going to deprive you of this woman. It is not her fault. It is not her desire to be with you but not be absorbed into your body is not the problem in this relationship. My perspective is slightly different and it comes from the fact that after being married for 20 years, I've been single for the last two years and dating and fairly, I would say successfully in the sense that I've had a number of dates, using your wisdom at all times, Dan. And one of the things I have found out is uh, that you have to take people as they are. That there's an expectation, this may have been why my marriage ended, that you want the people you're with to fit into a certain expectation that you have of the relationship that you feel you should have. Your partner should be devoted and present at all times and supportive and X number of checklists. Who knows where we get those checklists from books or from stupid movies or from your own insecurity. And uh, the most important thing I, I say to myself all the time and I can say to anybody else who's dating, I guess this goes for gay people as well. You tell me. I will. Take them as they are. If a person shows up, they can offer you things A, B, and C, but not D, E, and F. That's who they are. And what they if, 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 often what I hear from people is, my my partner is falling short of my expectations, and it's destroying the relationship. And I was looking at them and say, maybe you could change your expectations. Exactly. Maybe you have unrealistic, unworkable expectations that anyone you're ever with is going to fall short of, 
and it's self-sabotage. Exactly. And, and You can't change that person. You want to be with that person. Change your expectations. And everybody who probably is hearing this, if they've been in a relationship, has experienced that from the other end where your partner is saying to you, if you really loved me, you would X or Y or whatever it may be that it's not something you thought of doing or knew how to do and yet they are angry at you for not – instinctively know to do. Right. If you really loved me, you would be reading my mind and meeting my needs at all times. And the fact that I have to ask you sometimes to meet a specific need of mine means that you failed as a partner. Right. Because I shouldn't have to articulate that. And that really sucks to be in that position. And you straight guys get that worse than anybody else, I, I have think to say. We, really? Yeah. Do guys not do that to guys? Guys don't expect – fags don't expect fags to be able to read their minds. That That, that is actually – I'm going to gender this. I know there's 3.5 billion men, 3.5 billion women. There will be 7 billion people, hundreds of millions of exceptions. But I do think that he didn't anticipate naming needs. He didn't read my mind. Is more of a kind of a girl-slash-woman thing. Wow. Hang up expectations. Although we should say before people – get on our case for this, that we are talking about a guy who's doing that to a woman right now. I know. Here are hundreds of millions of exceptions, and here we have two of them. There you are. But I do think that's important. So if this woman, if you're still listening to us, <laughs> if this woman... Think, the techs of Eris youth aren't even listening to us. I mean, you know, they're on their phones. Adjust your expectations to who this person is and what she's willing to offer you. If that's not satisfying to you or sufficient to you, then you should gently break up with her. I'm not into dumping. Me and Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on National Public Radio. We talked and talked, and he took some more questions. The rest of my chat with Peter Sagel is on the Magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast this week, which you can find and subscribe to at savagelovecast.com. Hey, Dan and Nancy and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. Um, this is the bi lady from the uh, Northeast from a few episodes back who um, was wondering about ask, or telling her boyfriend about abuse in the past. And I just wanted to let you know that I took your advice, Dan, and I told him about, you know, just like you told him, I told him what I told you. And, you know, he was just the most loving. He just held me. And he didn't have a let's go kill the bastard reaction. And um, I'm going to cry. I just want to say thank you so much for your wonderful advice. Hi, I'm calling in response to the girl who's worried that her fiance might hook up with strippers at his bachelor party. I really like what Dan said about bachelor and bachelorette parties sending the terrible message that the fun has to end when you get married. And I agree with his opening suggestion that they call off the parties if it's going to make her feel so insecure. But beyond that, I think they should probably also call off the wedding. If you're so insecure about the strength of your relationship and so untrusting of your partner's judgment that you're worried about his bachelor party tearing you apart, then getting married seems like a really bad idea. Don't marry someone you don't trust. If you're one of those people who thinks being married will magically make you feel less insecure about your bond, you're wrong. It won't. It just makes it a hell of a lot more expensive to break up when you do. Hi, I'm just calling in response to the question about the bachelor and bachelorette party. I just had a bachelorette party last weekend that my sisters threw me, and it was awesome. And after I was given beautiful lingerie by many of them, I decided that I would be the stripper. And I put on many layers and we pumped some music and I stripped for 15 lady friends. And it was awesome because we kept teasing about who was going to be the stripper and um, when the stripper was going to get be there. Uh, and it was me and it was fun. And we had a great time and didn't get plastered and have sex with randos. So that's always an option. 
And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-302-2064. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Peter Seagal on Twitter at Peter Seagal. Or Peter Sagal, I forget. And speaking of Twitter, Rosie Gray tweets, Guy in Iowa state hat yells you suck scott walker as scott walker moves about the fair just reading this tweet out to emphasize the importance of commas unless you're accusing scott walker of sucking scott walker unless scott walker is limber and this is about auto fellatio you need a comma after suck you suck comma scott walker otherwise you're saying or maybe this was yelled at somebody standing just to scott walker's commas punctuation it's important even Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for coming.